Hey there! Are you a crime scene investigator, law enforcement officer, or forensic scientist looking for a Facebook community that understands you? Check out Taction USA's forensic product groups. You'll find blogs, articles, information, and community. For those of us in the investigative field, there are not many lines of support out there, but Taction USA is a company that was founded by law enforcement for law enforcement. Subscribe today to get access to exclusive content. Just look for Taction USA in Facebook groups. True Crime Podcast. As always, I'm Hillary. I'm Brendan. Please sign the crime scene log and join us for a brand new episode. Now, we're getting into uh, the spooky time of year. Mm-hmm. So I thought I would bring you a story that I believe it's the first unsolved case we've covered here. Solved officially, but unsolved kinda. Hmm. So please enjoy the tale of the Sodder children. Now, it goes without saying that investigation is the most important step in solving a crime. In fact, that statement's so obvious, it's stupid. But what isn't dumb is taking your time to find the details and little bits of evidence that can be overlooked. Yes. Something you're very good at. Thank you. The goal, of course, is to reach a proper conclusion and solve the case, but in doing so, you're also eliminating suspects and disproving theories. Even if a case is unsolved, there's still a huge value in proving what didn't actually happen. Mm -hmm. And that keeps the victims of the crimes from having to guess and fill in blanks and let their minds run wild, come up with the worst possible scenarios. Well, and that's where missing evidence comes in, too. Yes. Just as important as actual evidence is there. When you release a crime scene, for example, there's no going back. No. So anything that you didn't find on the first go-around, it's gone. Right. And then missing in the sense of, it seems like something should be there and it's not. Right. That's significant if that's the case. Right. Yeah, when you know someone's shot and you don't have a shell casing. That's a little weird. Yes. Tragically, when a person is the victim of a crime, they begin to search for reason where there isn't any. On the flip side, however, there's cases where a victim or their family members are the driving force behind resolving the case, even when law enforcement has initially reached a conclusion that the surviving Mm -hmm. victims or family members don't believe or agree with. Right. And that brings us to the case of the Sodder children and their parents who refused to accept the official story about their children's deaths. Now, George Sodder, original name Giorgio Sodu, moved to the U.S. from Italy in 1908. He worked on the railroad in Pennsylvania and eventually moved to West Virginia and started his own trucking company hauling dirt and coal for construction businesses. Okay. Uh, He met a fellow Italian immigrant named Jenny Cipriani. Very good. Thank you. And he went on to marry her. The couple moved to the outskirts of Fayetteville, West Virginia, in a two-story wood home and had their first child, John, in 1923. Between 23 and 1942, they had Marion, Joseph, George Jr., Maurice, Martha, Louis, Jenny, Betty, and lastly, Sylvia. 
Yeah. So with a whopping ten children and a reputable reputable business, the Sodders were a well-known and respected family in the area. However, not everybody took a liking to them. In October of 1945, George was approached by a traveling insurance salesman who offered to sell George life insurance policies on his children. Mm. Which is morbid and feels gross. A little bit strange. <laughs> but people do it. George declined, and the salesman became angry. And he said the solder house would go up in smoke and the children would be destroyed. Was his quote. Okay. I wonder how many things he actually sold. <laughs> <laughs> Either a lot or none. Or none. <laughs> uh, the salesman also stated that George would pay for the dirty remarks he made about Mussolini. Because mm. this was World War II, and George had been very vocal about his resentment towards the dictator of his home country. Mm-hmm. And some of the other Italian immigrants in the area didn't share those feelings and began to dislike the Sodders as a result. So I guess there were Mussolini sympathizers living in West Virginia. Yeah. And some community members thought George was out of line saying those things about his home country. Mm. During that same autumn, a man came to the Sodder home to ask George for a job. And during their discussion, which I don't think the guy got the job, but <laughs> uh, during their discussion, the man pointed out the two fuse boxes on the back of the home And he said they would start a fire someday. A little weird. Yeah. But George knew that wouldn't be the case because the home's wiring had just been updated and inspected when he recently had an electric stove installed in the kitchen. Electric stove in 1940-something? Yeah. I know. I bet that too. It reminds (laughs) me a little of one of the cases in L.A. Noir. The game. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> ah. oh. Now, around December of that year, some of the older Sodder children noticed a suspicious car parked along the main road in town on several occasions, and the occupants appeared to be watching the younger Sodder children as they walked home from school. Now, for the Sodders, though, life went on as usual until Christmas of 1945. Mm. By Christmas Eve, John, now 22 years old, had completed military service and returned home. Again, that was the oldest. His brother Joseph was away in the war, having enlisted in the army. So Joseph aside, the rest of these Sodder children were home with their parents, eagerly awaiting the holiday. 19-year-old Marion returned home from her job at a local dime store with some toys to surprise her younger siblings. 14-year-old Maurice, 12-year-old Martha, 9-year-old Louis... Eight-year-old Jenny and five-year-old Betty asked their mother if they could stay up late to play with their new toys. She allowed them to have their fun as long as they brought in the cows, fed the chickens, closed the curtains, and turned off all the lights before heading to bed. George Sr., John, and 16-year-old George Jr. were already asleep after a long day of work. Jenny put the youngest, two-year-old Sylvia, to bed and went off to do the same. Now, at 12.30, Jenny woke up when the telephone rang. She went downstairs, picked it up, and the voice on the other end was a woman asking about a person that Jenny didn't know. Hmm. Jenny heard laughter and clanking glasses in the background and assumed the caller was someone having a little too much fun at a party and maybe they dialed the wrong number. Right. Mrs. Sauter informed the woman the person in question didn't live there, and the woman responded with a strange laugh, hmm. is the quote Miss Sauter later gave. Interesting. After hanging up, Mrs. Sauter noticed the lights were still on and the curtains open. 
she found Marion asleep on the couch and figured the five younger children headed up and to their shared attic bedroom, and she just assumed Marion would tend to the lights and curtains. <clears throat> Jenny Sauter went back to bed, only to be woken up at 1 a.m. when she heard a thud on the roof, followed by the sound of something rolling down hmm. off the side of the roof. There was no other noise afterwards, so again she drifted off to sleep, but not for long. But before we get to what woke her a third time, hmm. please enjoy a word from the National Investigative Training Academy. If you are looking for a career change or to expand your knowledge in an already established one, look no further than the National Investigative Training Academy. The National Investigative Training Academy, or NIDA, N-I-T-A, has well over 100 courses with 70 professional development ones alone. NIDA is constantly adding to their course catalog, and courses are focused on private investigation and security fields. Whether you would like to become a private investigator or you need continuing education for your investigative or security career, the National Investigative Training Academy is for you. All courses offered are 100% online and do at your own pace. Once completed, you will receive a certificate in that course. Sign up today at investigativeacademy.com. Make sure when you sign up for your courses, you mention we sent you there. We encourage you to get the best investigative and security training possible today. When you sign up, mention our brand ambassador code, BA2367. That's BA2367, and you can find those courses at investigativeacademy.com. Look for links in our show notes as well. At 1.30 a.m., Jenny awoke for the third time that evening, this time because she smelled smoke. Oh, dear. Jenny went to investigate and found that George's home office was on fire. She woke George, who woke John and George Jr. John called out to the children in the attic to wake them and get them out of the house. He suffered minor burns as he ran down the staircase, which was now aflame. Hmm? So he barely made it. Yeah. George and Jenny ordered Marion, who was holding Sylvia by this point, and the oldest solder boys out of the house as it rapidly filled with smoke. Upon realization that Maurice, Martha, Louis, Betty, and Jenny had not made their way out of the house yet, the Sodders began calling out to their younger children in a panic. The staircase leading to the attic was now fully engulfed, and the rest of the house was quickly catching fire as well. Mm. That made re-entry to the upper floor to rescue the younger five impossible. The Sodders attempted to use the telephone before the whole house was on fire to call for the fire department, but the line was dead. Marion ran to a neighbor's house to use their phone, but the call wouldn't go through. Mm. Another person driving by saw the flames and tried to call from a bar after they arrived in town, but that call also didn't go through. Eventually, the Sauter's neighbor drove into town and tracked down Fire Chief F.J. Morris and informed him of the fire in person. The Fire Chief initiated the Telephone Tree Dispatch System, in which he would call the next man down in the chain of command, who would call the next, and so on, until the whole fire crew was mobilized. Due to the holiday and low manpower thanks to the war, the response time of Fayetteville Fire Department that morning was painfully slow. Mm -hmm. Now, before this high-stakes game of telephone tag had even begun to unfold, back at the house, George Sauter knew he needed to act quickly to save his children. He ran to the side of the house where he normally kept a ladder, which he planned to use to reach an attic window and pull the children out. However, the ladder was nowhere to be found. Interesting. 
In a stroke of brilliance, George and his sons ran to George's two dirt and coal hauling trucks, and they planned to back the trucks up to the house and reach the attic window from the truck beds. However, despite both trucks running fine on their last workday, neither truck would start. Creepy. Mm-hmm. In a last-ditch effort to douse the flames, George ran to a rain barrel to retrieve water, but since it was early morning in December, the barrel was completely yeah. frozen over. The surviving Sodder family members watched helplessly until the fire department finally arrived at 8 a.m. Oh. The smoke woke Jenny at 1.30. I know. And I was thinking, like, 8 a.m. Yeah. Wow. Six and a half hours after the fire started, and more than five hours after the home had been reduced to a smoldering ash pile. I was going to say it wouldn't be anything. As police, police searched the debris throughout the morning for the remains of the Sodder children, they found no human remains. Chief Morris believed the bodies were completely cremated in the blaze, but human bones will still partially exist after a two-hour exposure to a 2,000-degree incinerator used by a crematorium. Yeah. The Sodder house burned for 45 minutes, not two hours, and the average temperature of a house fire is about 1,100 degrees, and they can sometimes reach up to 1,800 Mm-hmm. depending on the circumstances. And George did keep an excess of gasoline and coal in the basement, which I'm sure accelerated things yeah. very rapidly. <clears throat> but it's still highly disputed as to whether those fuel sources could produce enough heat to disintegrate bone yeah. in only 45 minutes. I don't minutes. think so. Yeah. Me neither. I'm no fire marshal, but I, I'm yeah. not an arson investigator, but that sounds like it's just not enough time no. to totally evaporate five people. A state police investigator determined the cause of the fire was electrical and that it started near the fuse box. Chief Morris told George Sodder to leave the remains of the house as they were so the state fire marshal could inspect them and reach his own conclusions about the fire and Mm -hmm. the circumstances of the children. Uh, Unfortunately, the fire marshal wouldn't make it there for several more days and the Sodders could no longer bear the sight of their ruined home and the apparent final resting place of half of their children. Mm. George decided to fill the space in with dirt and create a memorial garden on top of it, also ruining any chance of a more thorough investigation. Yeah, he should have waited for that. Yeah, that's got to be... I understand not wanting to see the remains of the house and... Not want to think about it. Yeah, the rest of your kids might be in there. But... But... For the sake of those children, leave it alone. Right, because what if there is something? Exactly. Anything at all that could be found. <clears throat> the coroner held an inquest soon afterwards to officially determine the children's cause of death. But how did they have any... Well, that's why they had an inquest. <laughs> I suppose. I guess... Well, yes, you can get a death certificate if you if someone has been missing for right. a certain amount of time. Even in cases where and, there's not a body. Right, and the circumstances are kind of strange. Yeah. Then yes, you can. Yeah. So I suppose that's what and this that's is. Where the, the inquest is right. where the coroner explains all of his findings and such to a panel of jurors mm-hmm. who will agree that, yeah, that's sufficient yes. enough evidence to say yeah. X was the cause of death. Right. Now, the jury ruled that the coroner's assertion of accidental fire caused by faulty wiring was accurate and the children died either by suffocation or being burned to death. Oddly, one of the jurors on this panel 
was the insurance salesman mm. who threatened George months prior. Interesting. Smells fishy. Yeah. A funeral was held for the five children after their death certificates were issued, but George and Jenny could not accept the findings of the investigation. As time went on, they wondered more and more about the unexplained occurrences from the night of the fire. And if faulty wiring was the cause, why were the Christmas lights still on when the fire began and they ran out of the house? Yeah, that doesn't make sense. No. The whole, everything would have been blown if the wiring was faulty. And burning. (laughs) The missing ladder was eventually found 75 feet away from its usual place and down an embankment. Hmm. How could it have ended up there? Right. According to the phone company, the telephone lines didn't burn. They were cut uh-huh. prior to the fire. Yeah, that's not... Uh, that's... This sounds less and less like an accident. Yes. And the rescue efforts were unusually difficult. I know. It just... Nothing panned out. No. They tried everything they could, but they were... They meant nothing but roadblocks. Yeah. The telephone lines being cut prior to the fire is extra odd. Yes. Uh, Witnesses saw a man stealing a block and tackle, which is a pulley system used to remove engines from a car, Mm. just before the fire began, and luckily he was later found and arrested. He also stated that he used the ladder to climb a telephone pole and cut the wires, but he intended to cut the power, not the telephone. Okay. Now, when we talk about (laughs) insufficient... Or improper, lacking investigation. Yeah. Wouldn't you question that guy a little bit more? His reasoning was never explained, and there's no official record of who the man was, indicating the arrest was not properly documented by police, or records were intentionally scrubbed. Oh, dear. And I... There's no evidence of, you know, intentional hiding who this guy was on behalf of the police, but... Given the circumstances, can't exactly rule it out because well, no. there's no record of who this guy was yeah, that they arrested. Yeah, just conveniently disappeared. Yeah. That's he, never... Nothing is a coincidence. And if he was stealing a block and tackle, he may have been tampering with the engines of the trucks. Mm-hmm. And he tried to cut the exactly. power to the house. Which, ironically, if he did cut the power, an electrical fire wouldn't have occurred. It wouldn't have happened. But right. instead, whatever caused the fire did happen and they couldn't call for help. Right. I mean, it could be just a million mishaps, but it's yeah. it's too coincidental. There's a lot of coincidences. Yes. Or there's some actual wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the woman who made the strange phone call was also eventually tracked down as well. She claimed that the call was indeed just a wrong number dial. But people speculate, was the phone call that happened just a half, well, an hour before the fire, mm-hmm. was that... Someone trying to make sure they were certain home. people were home before they went and possibly, but apparently not because the lady said, "Oh no, I just dialed the wrong number." Was well, she put up to it? They should Do we have know been, for certain. That should be investigated further. Uh, the most confusing and disturbing was the lack of human remains in the rubble. Mm-hmm. Some appliances partially survived the fire. But the Sodders were supposed to believe that all five children were completely disintegrated by the blaze. No, and that would, you know, I realized they were all in the same room in the attic. Mm-hmm. But they're all different ages, different sizes. Right, different bone density. Yes, from development. Different, yes, so 
it doesn't seem like they would all, unless it was engulfed in flames and just, but that's not how it happened. You right. know, if it was just right. imploded, the fire then maybe. spread, but it the was, house yeah. crumbled. It was a traditional house fire. It was a house fire. house fire. It was a structure fire, <clears throat> you know. So it doesn't seem like they would just all disintegrate together at the same time. Right. There, you would think there'd be something, something of someone's. Now, the investigation also uncovered a witness who, while driving by the house prior to the fire, saw a man throwing, quote, fireballs onto the roof. Hmm. The following spring, the surviving Sodders were looking around their new memorial garden and found a green rubber ball with a removable cap. Ah. George concluded the item appeared to be a pineapple bomb, which is a napalm grenade hmm. <clears throat> used by the military at the time. So a perfect way to start something on fire. Exactly. Is to throw a napalm grenade on it. Jenny also believed that bomb was probably what she heard hitting the roof on Christmas Eve. Probably. And what the witness saw being thrown. So they find essentially a grenade. And how come the police didn't find it? Because they were supposed to go back later and look anyway. Mm -hmm. Even with his memorial garden. They were still supposed to go back and look. After the dirt was pushed over it, everybody just, I guess it's over. Yeah. So the Sodders hired a private investigator named C.C. Tinsley. And his name isn't C.C., it's initials C C. and C. So when I say C.C., he's not a little Italian girl. (laughs) They hired him to look into the fate of their children, and Tinsley uncovered rumors around town that Chief Morris was holding back about what he found in the rubble. Mm -hmm. Apparently, Morris confessed to his minister, and then, of course... You know, that's all confidential in confession, so word got around town in a hurry. He confessed that there was a human heart in the remains of the house. And he collected it, placed it in a metal box, and buried it. When Tinsley confronted Morris, I I know, I hear it too. (laughs) When Tinsley confronted Morris, he produced the box, and the heart was taken to a funeral director who found that this was actually beef liver, which was pretty fresh and had never been exposed to flame. Well, obviously, because the heart is an organ, it would go quickly. Right. How would the heart still be there but no bones? But no bones. Yeah. Especially teeth. Like, a lot of time, often, you know, someone's burnt up in a home, in a structure fire. It's going to be teeth. And there's at least teeth, even yeah. if their bones are brittle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if the bones are turning to dust yeah. because of the heat. They're still they're teeth. Crumbling, they're still teeth. Now, the commonly held belief is that Morris fabricated the heart story and hoped that word would eventually get back to the Sodders, who would receive closure from the presence of human remains in the fire. Well, that's no good. Yeah. That's kind of awful. I, yeah. Well, we got to get these people to just agree we'll that their kids are dead. String along some more. Yeah, they'll feel better. Some also believe... That there were small pieces of children's remains originally found in the fire, but the chief didn't have the heart to tell George and Jenny that their children were dead, so he held off, hoping that the state fire marshal would take care of that once he did his investigation. That's nonsense, too. They know they're dead. Or gone. Gone. No remains. That's true. But Mm -hmm. still. Now, once George buried the rubble, however, the remains became irretrievable. And the Sodders' minds began to wonder if the children were in the house to begin with at the time of the fire. Mm-hmm. The fake heart may have been Morris's attempt to put the parents' minds at rest, but it backfired. 
though this theory has never been confirmed. But there is a lot of speculation that there was, there were remains hmm. in the initial investigation, but they said, don't tell them, they're going through a lot right now. Well, and then worse. that whole thing snowballed into yeah. this. And that's possible, but we'll never know. Right. Now, the Sodders, they eventually uh, tried to enlist the help of the FBI. However, they were turned down in a letter from J. Edgar Hoover himself, who stated the matter was for local authorities to handle and not necessarily the jurisdiction of the FBI. Mm. In 1949, the Sodders enlisted the help of a pathologist from Washington, D.C., who led an excavation of the property and found no bones belonging to the children, but he did find bones belonging to an unknown 16 to 22-year-old male, which showed no signs of ever being burned. What? Yeah. So now someone else's remains, were they? <laughs> or someone else's bones, what? this whole thing's a mess. I wonder if they were there to begin with. The most likely reason for the bones being there is because they were in the dirt George hauled in to cover up the ruins of the house. Oh. How they ended up in that dirt, which he retrieved, <laughs> where did or who he they get belonged it? to, remains a mystery. Yeah, where did he get that dirt? But they definitely didn't belong to any of the Sodder children. Now, mm-hmm. supposedly, C.C. Uh, Tinsley later traced that back, that the dirt came from a local cemetery. Makes sense. But why the cemetery was they just had having some of their old the, yeah. graves hauled away is unclear, and okay. there's still no identification. So mm-hmm. even that, if that's a logical explanation, is still it's weird. still messed up. I still up. don't like it. <clears throat> in 1950, the governor of West Virginia and the state police superintendent came to the agreement that the case was hopeless and declared it closed at the state level. Mm-hmm. And then from 1952 to 1989, a billboard stood along U.S. Route 19 outside of Fayetteville offering a $5,000 reward from the Sauter family for information about what happened to their children. Other than unconfirmed and most likely not credible sightings of the children in the years following the fire, the last glimmer of hope for George and Jenny Sauter came in 1967. Now, before I get there, there were people who claimed they saw a couple of Italian guys who had these five kids later that night. They uh, stopped at a hotel or a restaurant, uh, but those weren't reported until years after, mm. after the pictures started yeah. becoming you know, more widely seen. Interesting. So they think people's minds are probably playing with them. Yes, that happens often with yes. those kind of cases. Oh, I saw them, you know, suddenly descriptions out and they, they're seen everywhere. Yeah. There was an Amber Alert a few months ago and I yeah. soon got the call that, hey, this person just checked into a yes. local hotel and we went and it was nowhere even close. The description had, it was like the game telephone. The description had even gotten Yeah, it got totally twisted messed and up. changed up, but the Amber Alert was for a person with, uh, with a little girl. Yeah. And a person with a little girl checked into a hotel and we so went and talked assumed, to them and it wasn't even close. Yeah. But I mean, good on the person for being yes. vigilant and calling, but but still, but, but things was, get yeah, it was their mind running wild. <clears throat> so in 1967, the Sodders received a letter from a woman in Houston, Texas, who claimed a man she met at a bar had too much to drink one night and admitted that he was Louis Sodder. He was living in Texas with his brother Maurice. So, George naturally traveled to Houston, and with the help of police, he was actually able to track down the two men the woman indicated. 
While they both looked like they could be his sons, now well into adulthood, the men stated there had been a misunderstanding, and they denied any relation to George Sauter. Now that's where a little more of the rampant speculation yeah. comes in. There are folks who believe, well, if something did happen and they were taken from the house and there's then they were yeah. still a danger to the rest of the family. Then they're not going to say yeah, anything. They, out of concern for their father's safety, they're not going to let on. But right. also maybe it's just not them. Some, a, a drunk guy who told a dumb story yeah. and it spiraled out of control. Now, later that year, the Sodders received another letter. Postmarked from Central City, Kentucky, with a picture of a man who appeared to be Lewis Sodder in his 30s. Mm. Written on the back was the following. Lewis Sodder. I love Brother Frankie. I little boys. I don't know what that is. It's I-L-I-L boys. Okay. I don't know if someone tried to write little boys or what. And then A90132 or 35. Huh. The meaning of that writing, if there is any, is unknown. Right. But the picture does look a lot like... Like him. Young Lewis, aged mm. up. The Sodders hired another PI to travel to Central City and look into the possible photo of Lewis, but they never heard from the PI again. Hmm. How do you like that? Jeez. If your PI goes missing, that's probably a hint that's from usually, someone... Yeah, I was going to say, that's not good. stop looking at yeah. this. Yeah. Now, that possible picture of Lewis was placed over George and Jenny's fireplace in the hopes that there would one day be a true conclusion to the case. So that was their last Mm. maybe. Yeah. George Sauter died in 1969, and Jenny passed in 1989. Sylvia, the last surviving Sauter child, passed away in 2021, Mm. still with no clear answers about what happened to her older siblings. Now, the question is, how much of the case is actually mystery? How much is coincidence? And how much is just pure speculation that the door was open for because the investigation right. was kind of poor from the get-go. Right. And that's the that's the sad thing, is when mm-hmm. you don't investigate properly or you do it, you know... Haphazardly half, or yeah, oh, we'll halfway, just get in and get out. Which I've, you know, in my experience... Some people do their job that way. Yeah, and it it's makes me real. sick. But... You know, you do your best because, like, as you said earlier, you can't return to the crime scene again. Right. And I'm a firm believer in more evidence collected is better than too little. I would rather have things that we go, oh, we didn't need this. We didn't need all of these things. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you look later and the little thing is the thing that pops a lead. Right. Especially in a cold case. Yes. So, you know, it, it may be, sadly, it may just be a combination of all of those things. Mm-hmm. Like a little bit of everything that just turned to disaster. Now, I've made a little list here of some of the odd details around the case. Okay. First is, why did George Sauter leave Italy? According to several sources, he made it a point to not talk about why he left his home country. Interesting. And then he was very anti-Mussolini. Okay. Strange. So, there's speculation that people from the home country possibly Sicilian Mafia, yeah. were out to get him and right. had found him finally and kidnapped half his kids and tried to burn down the rest of the house. Yeah, That's, again, one of the wild, rampant but, speculation. Yeah. But it's strange that when people would ask him, what brought you here, he didn't want to talk about yeah, why. But, um, but 
Again, that could have been nothing. Yeah. The insurance salesman's threats, slash him yeah. also being a juror on the coroner's inquest. And that might be coincident. How big was that town then? Right. You know? Fairly small. So, again. I and mean, he his... also might have some interest in these inquests yes. and such and being part of those proceedings. Because he was part of So he can go game. back to people and go, hey man, there's a lot of, you know... People between this well, age and that age and that then, are dying, you should really get some insurance. Here, I happen to sell insurance. Well, my take, too, is that I'm going to go the other sinister route of he may have been involved, and that's why he maybe he insisted to be on the inquest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Because a lot of times, in. you know, if a criminal, they like to stay close to their work right. and see what the police know, what they don't, that kind of thing. Right. And again, speculative. Yes. If the kids were kidnapped and yeah. taken back to Italy or sold into whatever or were being held for some yeah. reason it would behoove the captors or whoever's involved to know what's to, going on to get their death certificate signed yes. and oh, those kids are they're gone they're gone officially on paper they're dead mm-hmm. uh, the out of work guys warning about the fuse box even after yeah. the house had been rewired and updated and inspected for safety yeah he said oh that's that's going to catch fire soon and no more than two months later. Right. That's just odd or more sinister. Yeah. There was some involvement there, too. Yeah, but why would he say anything? <clears throat> right. If, the, you know, that might just be odd. Yes. Or maybe he thought he knew electrical work and was trying mm-hmm. to impress George. Right. Like, I'm the kind of guy you want around. Uh, the strange car watching the young children. Yeah. Maybe odd, maybe just... A car that happened to be there that time of day for right. whatever other reason, well, picking up their own kids. And or... you have to think about that it's the holidays, so there's other people in town. Right. Extra Yeah, people. things are going to be a little more active mm-hmm. than normal. The odd phone call, the woman yes. laughing at a party, asking right. about someone who doesn't live there. It was well, officially closed as just a wrong number, just but... coincidence. But again, if someone wanted to make sure the people are home before or, they move or in. they wanted the mother down there because the kid they knew the kids were in the attic. Right. And they if didn't... she's downstairs talking on the phone, mm-hmm. that's a distraction. Right. Whoever's in the attic. Yeah. You know, pulling them out the window or whatever. Yeah. Again, speculation. Right. But also could be checking the phone lines to see if Hey, we sent Joe down there to cut the phone lines. And they, they're not cut let's, yet. Yeah, let's make sure they don't work. Yeah. Uh, objects hitting the roof, slash the passerby seeing fireballs thrown on the roof, and then finding a possible napalm grenade in the yeah. rubble. That, that all adds up to me. Yeah. That... The solders insist that the yeah. fire started on the roof from yeah. that, but the official report still shows, no, it started in the basement around the fuse box. Yeah, but if it was that, okay, they got there so late. Right. How, How could they, they tell? tell? Right. You know. Well, I mean, arson investigation, they can determine yes. the starting points and such. But, yeah, in the state the house was in, completely caved yeah. in on itself. Yeah. And there were only bits of the roof. Right. That's what it said, that there were parts of the tin roof still present, but other parts had burned up so much. They were unrecognizable. Uh, not having a phone connection, multiple people tried to call from different places, mm-hmm. and nobody could get through all around town. That seems weird. And the phone lines were cut. Yeah. 
and then the missing ladder, which turned out, well, there was a guy responsible for it. We don't know who, but we talked to right. him. Don't worry. It seems like there should be more information about that guy. Yeah, of course there should have been. Uh, the broken down trucks, some have said that, well, in their panic and haste, they may have flooded the engines, trying to start the trucks with a little too much Yeah, gusto. but it also fits with the thief. Right, with the guy yeah. stealing the engine repair yeah. deal. And but, again, could have been coincidental, but it's kind of weird. Yeah, but apparently the trucks worked fine later also. Okay. So if the engines were flooded, yeah, then it would make sense that afterwards they worked. Right. You would think if someone tampered with the trucks, they would need some kind of repair mm-hmm. before they'd start working again. So that kind of checks out, but it's still weird that a guy was stealing yeah. the block and tackle and the ladder and had cut the phone lines thinking they were power just because. Yeah. Just because that's what you do it on Christmas strange. Eve. Oh, there's a fire? I had nothing to do with that. Right. Uh, no bones. I have a hard time believing that Yeah. the house fire, even well, in a and wood it would home be, with it would the have gas to be... and coal in the basement. Right. Like, but... but there's nothing. But that's the thing, too. I'm Again, I'm not an arson investigator. I've taken a few classes, but it doesn't give me any clout in any way, shape, or form. However, it seems strange that they were all in the attic. Mm-hmm. and The fire the, started in the basement. The large fuel source was in the basement. Yeah. But there's no bones in the attic. Right. There's a lot in between. Yes. You know, that, again, I'm not an expert in this field. In right. this particular crime scene field. And then if the but, house collapsed, which it did, we yeah. know it did. All right, so now that has brought the attic level down to basement level right. where the major fuel source is. But again... Is it still enough for there to be nothing left? I mean, and again, as we mentioned earlier, we're talking five people, different ages, different bone density, different size bones. Mm-hmm. It just seems very abnormal. Mm-hmm. There should be something. The immediately buried crime scene i don't think it was a good idea i understand why they would be so distraught and want to cover it up but then the sinister people say no he was literally maybe george knew something that's what i was was part of something i was thinking that he literally covered it up why would you as the father yeah but well, I can't. It devastates yeah. me to look well, at someone covered up. Well, the fire marshals on the way to give us the answers we seek, but right, oh, it just hurts too much. Maybe, but then the more sinister theories are that George was privy to all this and he was hiding yeah, something. I could believe that. Possibly. Uh, Chief Morris with the fake that heart. Was, uh, what are you doing? That's how gross. Well, yeah, you're playing with family's heart heartstrings. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and their beef liver strings. And, I mean, how weak is that, though? Like, weak as a person, weak mm-hmm. as a chief, and weak in a theory. Yeah, to say, oh, I solved the case, and that his way of doing it was he confessed to the pastor and hoped that he would just spread right. the word and it would get back to them. Not even going to them and saying, this is the only thing we found. I don't think that guy had any you-know-whats. No, he, and, had, he had no hearts. Yeah. <laughs> or anything, or no brain cells. So, I mean, that's pretty stupid if you think about it. Yeah, that's extremely lame, and there's no... And poor people. Like, yeah. what kind of... Just prey on the already weak. Whether right. George knew about it or not, I don't think his wife knew anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to do that to them. Hey, yeah. I, I solved the case. Here's a little piece of something. Like, they weren't going to check. 
Well, yeah. And they immediately brought it to a coroner who went, no, it's well, beef and liver from like two days the, ago. Why on earth would the and it's never heart been survive? Right. Yeah, I think he was an idiot who had a really bad idea and he went yeah. with it. Possible sightings of the children, again. Yeah, that's explainable. Yeah, I think that's people's memories playing with them. Yeah. Um, although the newish photo of Lewis is strange. It yeah. really does look like him. You can find the new photo and compare it to the original photo <laughs> from the billboard. And they actually replaced the childhood photo with that on the one? billboard with that new one. Because oh. they really believed yeah. that that's him. But then there's the gibberish writing on the back. Yeah, that's A90132 or 35. Is that an I address? Love brother, I love Brother Frankie. Well, none of the other kids, kids were, were Frankie, Frankie or Francis or anything like that. Yeah. So it's it makes no sense. No. Uh, and then the missing PI. Yeah, that's a big Maybe red flag. Maybe he was just a shyster. Maybe, Maybe he stumbled upon something and went, ooh, I, I'm not going to go any further with this case. Or, yeah, or like somebody if it got was, to him. Well, if it was something to do with the mob, he could have gotten something and went, oh. He went asking questions. Yeah, and they either took care of him or they paid him enough where he'd go away. Mm-hmm. So. So the official findings of the case are that the children perished in the fire, sadly. And that could entirely be true. It could. But. But there's a lot of weird of things. So, so many coincidences. Yeah. And the investigation was kind of weak. And then George didn't really help with that. I kind of feel like it's a mixture of all of it. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think maybe some there's some legitimacy, but then there's some there's some elements that don't add up, and maybe they right. were taken, right. and then there I don't know. It just feels mm-hmm. I don't believe in coincidences. No, I I do, there's, but not fifteen no. in a row. No. <laughs> and, like okay, if the ladder guy, the guy had stolen well, yeah. the ladder and moved it or whatever. All right, well then that just sucks. But yeah. then the cars don't start, and it takes eight hours for the fire chief to show up, and, and he couldn't drive a fire truck, apparently. Huh. That was one of the details that we glossed over. Really? That he, part of the slow response time was he had to wait for someone else to show up to drive the fire truck. He didn't know how? Like, Dude, you're the chief. Yeah. Okay, but also... No, they also, who... he was found at a bar. So I, don't I was going to say, was it he because was, he was drunk? He was super tipsy chief, That's or if or he, he just couldn't, he just couldn't handle a large vehicle. Who stated that the cars didn't work? And do we have proof that they didn't? As to uh, George and the the older sons went to get the trucks, so I don't know if George himself was the only one to try starting them. I was wondering, or. Like, how do he we jumped know? in one and John jumped in another. How do we know that isn't true? How do we know George didn't do anything to the trucks and then that was another alibi? And we can keep diving down the rabbit hole. I know. Because it's it, nuts, it is it? it is wild. And then I'm like, well, what would the... I mean, insurance, I guess, but what, you're going to kill half your family for that? And if he I was going to, wouldn't he have taken out the life insurance He would have taken the life insurance. <clears throat> that guy showed up and said, your house is going to burn down and those kids are going to be destroyed. Say, well, give me 10000 per kid. Just on the young ones. Just on the attic ones. I don't know. That's very strange. Yes. And the Sauter family still lives on and poor, poor publicizes the case. But all of the, both the parents and all the original children have 
past, of course. Well, and there wouldn't be anything to look at as far as a case file. No. You know, I've worked cold cases that are fairly old, but it sounds like there's... I mean, I've worked cases with hardly anything, but this sounds like there's probably maybe a report and that's it. Right. I mean, what, what do you do with that, unfortunately? Yeah. It sounds like the state police investigator gave it a look over and everyone seemed to kick the can down the road. That, yeah. Well, the fire marshal is going to get here often. and he'll do the big, the yeah. big investigation. So yeah. I'd say it's probably electrical and the kids died in the fire. Yeah. And then the state fire marshal never really got a crack at it. So well, we didn't get a chance because they buried it. Yeah. Which I still think is very strange. Yeah. I don't like it. No. But Interesting I, story, though. What I do like is thanking our listeners for yes. joining us. Thank you for listening. Please sign the crime scene log on the way out. And don't answer the phone after one in the morning. No. Unless you're getting called into work. I guess. It happens. Make sure your house is fire safe. Yes. And make sure your children are... Not in the attic. Yeah. <laughs> Please, not in the attic. Stay safe. So long.